Well, hello everyone and welcome to another session of GoToMeeting. As always, it's really good to be to be with you all the brethren. So I want to give a message today about the holy angels. So let's start by turning back to Luke, the ninth chapter. If you would with me, Luke, the ninth chapter. And we're going to be reading uh, in verse 26. Luke 9, 26, it says, For whoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So we see we know Jesus Christ is going to be returning in his glory. But also, as it mentions there, the glory of the holy angels. So there are these holy angels that God and Jesus Christ have created. And as it mentions here, they're holy. They're holy before God. They are holy because of God and the way God created them and designed them. And, you know, these holy angels that are mentioned here, they are faithful to God. They are faithful to Jesus Christ. They are faithful in their love for God and Jesus Christ and also in their love, as we'll see, uh, for us, the saints, those God has called. So there's a lot of accounts of angels in God's word. It's, you know, it's pretty amazing when you read through the scriptures how many times angels are mentioned throughout God's word. So a lot of things there for us, for examples for us that we can learn from angels. So, you know, one thing we maybe can start with, that we'll be turning back to Hebrews, the 13th chapter. It's safe to say a lot of us, as we'll be reading here, have maybe seen an angel and didn't know it. But Paul talks about that back in Hebrews 13. In verse 1, it says, Hebrews 13, 1, let brotherly love be present among you continually. Do not forget to show hospitality, for by this some have unknowingly welcomed angels as guests. So Paul gives an admonishment there to continue to be hospitable, right? Because he says, you know, sometimes we may have entertained an angel by doing this. So something for us to be mindful of, because, you know, as we'll continue on in the message here, we'll see that angels very much are engaged in our lives. We will ask a question here. How many angels are there? These holy angels we're speaking of. How many are there? Let's go back to Psalm 68 to begin with here. We will read a couple of scriptures about that. Psalm 68, in verse 17, it says, The chariots of God are myriads. Myriads, something that's basically can't be counted. Thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them in Sinai in the holy place. And we also get a, uh, a good, I guess, thought-provoking view of how many angels there are uh, back in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. So let's go back there because we know there's, they can't be counted. But we'll see this uh, mentioned again back in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 and verse 22, it says here, but you have come to Mount Zion. To the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem. And it says here, to an innumerable company of angels. So that's what we come before. Before this innumerable company of angels. They they can't be numbered. Now, that's that's for us, right? That they can't be numbered. Now we know God and Jesus Christ know every one of them. They were all created by God and Jesus Christ, and I'm sure they all have a name. So, yes, to them, they are numbered. They know every one, but to us, it's innumerable. Now, you think about this uh, in relationship to 
Satan and in, in back in Revelation 12, it talks about, you know, Satan was able at the rebellion to draw away a third of them, a third of these angels that we know a lot are locked away and some are here upon the earth. But kind of gives you an idea at during end times there as it talks about in Revelation, the ninth chapter, when the bottomless abyss is opened up, how many of these demons, these fallen angels will be will be uh, here influencing mankind and certainly man's going to see at that time just how evil uh, Satan is and in this system as he is called the the god of this world uh, that this world unknowingly and sometimes knowingly worships they're just going to see what that's going to be like when all those demons are loosed at that time so anyway it gives us an idea of just how many you know angels there are you know in that numerable amount of them. Well, we know the angels are are loyal to God, the holy angels. And that's what this message is about, is the holy angels, the ones who stayed faithful to God, that did not rebel at the time that Satan rebelled, that these stayed with God and with Christ, the God of the Old Testament. They're obedient. You could say they always look to God. They always look to Jesus Christ and their obedience. Let's go back to Second Peter and see what Peter writes about the holy angels. Second Peter 2. In verse 10, it says, but particularly those who walk after the flesh in corrupting lust and hold and utter contempt the lordship of God, they are audacious and self-willed. They are not afraid to blaspheme the divine powers, talking about people here, corrupted people, those who are against God and how they are in their attitudes and in their rebellious minds. And they they don't, they're not afraid to blaspheme God and the divine powers. But goes on to say here, Paul does of the angels in verse 11, it says, where has angels who are greater in strength and power do not bring a railing uh, at condemnation against them before God. Could they? These angels, the holy angels, because it says here they are great in power, they're great in strength, but they don't because they know it's not given to them to do that. That's not God's will for them to be that way, and they are always engaged in looking to God in Christ and obedient to them. In their behavior. Let's go back to Psalm 103. Again, when we see some of the characteristics of the angels, the holy angels, that there's things there we can certainly learn ourselves. Psalm 103. Let's see what's wrote about the holy angels. Psalm 103, verse 20. It says, bless the Lord, O you, his angels, who excel in strength, as we just read there in Peter, who do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. And, that, and that's how they are. They completely obey God. We see an example of this um, back in Exodus 23. We're going to be talking about the Lord's angel there with Israel in Exodus 23. But let's just see what's wrote about wrote about this. Exodus 23. And we're going to pick it up in uh, verse 20. And we know that there was an angel there with, with Israel when they came out of Egypt and were in the uh, wilderness. God told Israel here, in verse 20 of Exodus 23, he says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you to the place where I have prepared. Be on guard in his presence and obey his voice. It says, Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions. And it says, Why here? It says, for my name is in him. So this was a 
an admonishment by God to Israel. You know, here's here's an angel I'm sending before you. Now you need to be really careful to listen to what he says or how he leads you or directs you. Because if you if you don't, um, you know, he's going to listen to my words and my direct commands that I've given him. And he he won't pardon because God's name, the truth, the way, the life was in him. And he would be completely obedient to whatever instructions were given to him and execute those completely. You know, we see we won't turn back there, but we see an example of this also in in first Corinthians. Uh, I'm sorry, first Chronicles 21. First uh, Chronicles 21 is about the time that uh, David, King David, numbered Israel. And he he shouldn't have done that. But it says there that Satan provoked him, and he had Israel counted, used Joab to do that. And because this was done, God sent his angel to destroy Jerusalem. But at a point there, while that was was destroying was occurring, uh, God had the angel stop. But 70,000 men died through that angel. In his sword, and it talks about David saw the angel there uh, in the air between between Jerusalem there and and heaven, and he saw his sword drawn, and he saw, uh, the, you know, as God commanded the angel to put your sword away and stop. But you know, evidently there, if God hadn't stopped him, uh, there would have been a destruction of it, of Jerusalem, because that's what he was sent to do. So it gives you an idea of the power in the authority of the angels and their, again, their obedience. And even, you know, David, he was a, a man after God's own heart and in a, in a lot of ways full of courage, but he was afraid. He was even afraid to come and give sacrifice at the altar because of this angel that he saw. So again, an example of the loyalty and the obedience the angels have and also their power. Well, as I just mentioned there, they do have authority to do certain things. We see an example of this back in Genesis 19, if you'll turn with me to Genesis 19. And this is the account of of, uh, Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and and the family there, Lot's family. And we know they came out, Lot and his, his wife and his two daughters and his uh, wife looked back, and unfortunately, because she didn't obey the angels, she was turned to a pillar of salt. We know that, but we'll just read a couple of verses here to, to emphasize, again, the authority that the angels have. Genesis 19.1, it says, and there came two angels to Sodom at evening. So sometimes the angels work together, don't they? And in this case, there was two angels that had come to Sodom and working together. And Lot sat at the gate of Sodom, and Lot rose up to meet them. And when he saw them, and he bowed himself uh, with his face towards the ground. And we'll just go on to verse 11. We know this kind of the story there where uh, they wanted the men there in, in Sodom wanted to know who these two were and wanted to know them. And uh, Lot was pulled back into the house. And it says here at verse 11, speaking of these two angels, and they smote the men, they're at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they were wearied themselves to find the door. So, again, these two angels here, they had the authority to do this, to blind the ones that were there to to see them, that were also at that point, trying to get a get a hold of Lot, right? But again, the point here is they had the authority to blind these men. Well, let's look at another attribute about the holy angels is how they rejoice. I, the holy angels rejoice. You know, they rejoice before God. And they're very, very connected with God and his plan and what God's doing. With what God's doing. Now, Let's go back to 
First Peter one. I'll bring out a couple things here. First Peter one. So the the angels they rejoice before God and they're again as I said they they know somewhat of the things that God's doing and God's planning, but they don't know everything. And this is brought out in a couple a couple of scriptures, but the first one we'll read is back in First Peter, the first chapter. And I'm going to read First Peter 1 in verse 12. It says, to whom it is revealed that not for themselves, but to us, they were ministering these things, which now have been announced to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit. So we, we think about this and through what's been preached, through what's been recorded in God's word. We have a lot of information and knowledge now pertaining to us and in our future and the kingdom and the plan, the plan of God that others before maybe did not have a clear understanding of. Sent from heaven, it says, into which the angels desire to look. So, yes, there's there are certain things that the angels desire to look into and to learn more about. And, you know, as we know, there's a lot of prophets and men of old that maybe were able to prophesy the things coming in the future, but really did not know everything that was going to be happening. And and certainly we don't know everything, too. As Paul talks about, uh, we look through a dark glass but he, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. But he, he says, you know, but then we'll know face to face. We'll see face to face and we'll know exactly as we have been known. So the angels desire to look into what's going on, what's going to be coming. While we're on this stop, let's go back to Matthew 24 also. Matthew 24. This is what Christ wrote concerning his return in the end time, Matthew 24. Verse 35, he says here, the heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. But concerning that day and the hour, it says no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. So, yeah, there's we know there's things that the angels, they don't know for sure. But, you know, we don't necessarily have to know everything, do we? We know God will reveal things to us as we need to know them. And as time goes on, we will know more. And the angels will as well. But they rejoice before God, don't they, the angels? Let's read back in Job 38 what it says about their rejoicing. Job 38. And we know this is talking about the creation. Job 38 and verse 6. It said he God talking here to Job. It says on on what are the foundations fastened to? Or or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Can you imagine that when this the creation was happening and things were being done by God and Jesus Christ by their word? And these things came into being and the angels were there. It says all, they all sang together. What an amazing thing. And shouted, they shouted for joy. What that must have been like to hear all the angels shout. You know, in First First uh, Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, it talks about the resurrection there and the, and the, the shout of an archangel and what that's going to be like, that sound. But here it says all of them, they were singing and they were shouting with joy. How powerful that must have been. And you think about the magnitude and the 
power and the glory of God in Christ, the God of the Old Testament at that time. Let's go back to Luke 15. Here's another example of how the, the angels rejoice when it comes to us. And when they see God call people and work with people and they see repentance and change. But Luke 15, and let's look at verse 10 of Luke 15. It says here, I tell you that in like manner, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. It's because the angels know, brethren, just how important life is. Eternal life. And they're joyful for this because they're excited for all those God calls and all those who choose to repent and want to follow God and be be obedient to God just as they are and choose to strive to be holy just as God is holy. They rejoice and have joy in this. Well, as we move on, speaking about the holy angels, you know, the holy angels, uh, they have spiritual battles. Now, we know it talks about, and we won't turn back there in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse 12. You know, we we wrestle ourselves against spiritual powers. And that's why we all have to put on the whole armor of God. That's why we have to guard our minds. But the angels themselves, whether we think about this or not, they also have spiritual battles. Let's see an example of this back in Daniel, the 10th chapter. If you'll go back with me to Daniel, the 10th chapter. We're talking about Gabriel here in Daniel 10 in verse 11. And it said, and he said to me, O Daniel, man, a man greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak to you and, and stand upright, for to you I am now sent. And when he had spoken these words to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourselves before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But it goes on to say here, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Then, lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been there alone with the king of Persia. And we'll go ahead and go on down to verse 20 and 21. It says, then he said, do you, not, do you know why I came to you? I come to you, and now I must return to fight with the Prince of Persia. And when I go forth, lo, the, the prince of Greece shall come. But I will show you that which is written in the scriptures of truth. So, yes, the, the angels, they have spiritual battles themselves. With, at times, Satan and the demons. And we, we know down through time, uh, we don't know how many times this has happened, but I'm sure you've you've heard examples in wartime where people have witnessed certain things happening. But, you know, the demons are very much involved in, in wars and in activities like this. And how many times are the angels there to intervene into war on behalf of God? We we don't know, but we know they do have spiritual wars. With powers spiritually of Satan. Jude 9. Let's go back to Jude 9. We see an example of this. Jude 
It says here in Jude 9, it says, but Michael, the archangel, when he was personally taking issue with the devil. So, you know, it uh, it uses the word it, it was personal there. He he was personally there with Satan. Taking issue. It says disputing about the body of Moses. But it goes on to say here. Did not. Right. Presume to pronounce a reviling judgment against him. But he said the Lord himself rebuke you. So we read a very similar account back in Peter, didn't we? That they have power, they have strength, but they don't bring accusations against. They leave that up to God in his authority. And in this case, he told Satan, the Lord himself rebuke you, right? But they do have spiritual battles. We see another example that is yet to come, we'll read in Revelation 12. Let's go back to Revelation 12. In Revelation 12, in verse, we'll just read 7, 7 and 8. We know the account here, but it says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels warred, warred against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels warred, but they did not prevail, and neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So now they're an example of their spiritual warfare they have with Satan and the demons. And while we're back in Revelation, let's read uh, an event that's going to be coming uh, yet in Revelation 20 and verse 1 and 2. It says, Then I saw an angel descending from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he took hold of the dragon and the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So don't know who this angel, you know, a lot of times in God's word, it mentions God's angel or a certain angel. And we doesn't maybe say who the angel is. And sometimes we may speculate on who that might be. But we know what God's word talks about, uh, Michael and Gabriel. But anyway, there will be an angel here that will be given the power and the authority to go and bind Satan. With these with these chains, so there'll be a, a special a special type spiritual chain here that uh, is created that will bind Satan. Now we know there's examples in in God's word, and I think of the one where there was a demon uh, called Legion because he had many within him. Uh, this man, and he was able to, we know through God's word, it says he was able to break chains or however he was bound he was able to break those things but in this case these chains that will bind satan they he won't be able to break through these chains and but you know this is something we may uh, be able to witness i i think we will witness because uh, at this time we'll we'll be spiritual beings won't we so we'll we'll see but nonetheless the angels they have their spiritual battles as well and given given instructions by God to do certain things. Well, I mentioned Michael and I mentioned Gabriel. They, you know, they have special responsibilities and so do I'm sure other angels down through time have been given special responsibilities by God to do certain things. Let's look at a, uh, maybe a couple examples of that. Let's go back to Luke 1. So we have a good account here in Luke 1 of, of Gabriel and his interaction he had with Zacharias and also with Mary, the mother of Jesus. But Luke 1, in verse 18... It says, then Zacharias said to the angel, by what means shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And so we know Gabriel had come to pronounce to Zacharias that he would have a son in his, in his older age with his wife Elizabeth. And the angel answered and said to him, and, and really pay attention to this, how powerful the words are here directly from Gabriel 
to Zacharias. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to announce this good news to you. How powerful is this? Gabriel saying here, I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent. Let's read on here. It says in verse 20, but behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day in which these things shall take place, because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their time. So Gabriel had the authority to do this because he had been sent from God. You know, it makes you think about the angels, the holy angels again, and their ability to discern us and what's in our minds and what we're thinking. But Gabriel here was able to recognize in Zacharias that he did not believe. He did not believe what was being proclaimed to him from God, from God, the almighty, the most high God himself sent this message through Gabriel. While we're here in Luke 1, let's look at the account of Gabriel in a message to Mary. Okay, verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, that speaking of Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, because you have found grace with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give him the throne of God, his forefather and he shall reign over the house of Jacob and to the ages and of his kingdom there shall be no end but let's read here what Mary says to Gabriel but Mary said to the angel how shall this be right since I have I have not had sexual relations with a man Mary questioned Gabriel here so it says, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy One being begotten, and then we know that was currently being begotten at that time. And you shall be called the Son of God. So Mary had a question for Gabriel, right? How, how can this be? Because I, she hadn't been with a man, right? But we see the difference there between Zacharias and Mary. And, they, and Gabriel was able to, to understand what was being asked. Zacharias didn't believe. But Mary just had a question, right? She was wondering, you know, I've, I've not been with anybody. How, how can this be? And, and Gabriel explained it to her, right? So the, the angels, again, as, as a point here, they have special responsibilities. And Gabriel was a messenger here. He was a messenger to also to Daniel. But we can see here they had, do have the ability to be able to understand and have discernment. Let's go back to Daniel, the 12th chapter. So in Daniel uh, 12, we're going to read about Michael here a little bit. Just going to read in verse 1 of Daniel 12, and it says, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands for the children of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even until that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who shall be found written in the book. So we know Michael here is, is looked upon as a prince, a prince for the people, your people, God's people. And we saw earlier in Daniel that he was also called a prince there as well. So I makes me think about there. Uh, Satan is called a prince. 
called the Prince of the Power of the Air, right? But but here we see just to point out that there are certain functions that Michael has. Michael's been be given from God as being a prince for God's people. Let's go back to uh, change the thought here a little bit and go back to Hebrews, the first chapter. And we'll get to something very, very, very important function that the angels have been have been given and who they are. So Hebrews one. In verse 13. It says here, but unto which of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? And we know that's referring back to Psalm 110. Are they not all ministering spirits being sent forth to minister to those who are about to inherit salvation? So, the angels are ministering spirits, aren't they? They're ministering spirits for for us, for God's people. You know, there's uh, at least one religious organization I, I'm aware of that uh, they look at Jesus Christ as being an angel. But certainly we know, knowing the truth in God's word, that that is not correct, is it? We see that here. Plainly, it says to which of any of the angels did he say, set at my right hand, right? That was given to only Jesus Christ, the son of God, the God of the Old Testament. But there are angels, right? And their job is to minister to us. Let's look at an example of this in their ministering to us and how they minister to Jesus Christ. Matthew, let's go back to Matthew 4. Matthew 4. And I want to read in verse 11 of Matthew 4. And we know that this was after the time that Christ had fasted for 40 days and he was being tempted by, by Satan. But it says here in verse 11, then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. So makes you think about, you know, us as God's people. How many times have we been ministered to and helped out directly by angels in certain ways? And maybe we weren't aware of it. You know, we I have heard of certain accounts where. There's been miracles occur in, in the brethren's lives at times, and they know that uh, somebody was there to help them in certain ways. And some talk about that. But we know they have been sent to minister us and take care of us and watch over us. Now, in a little bit, we're going to read about a requirement from us that God expects us to have so he can give that protection of ministering to us. We see an also another account of Christ being ministered in Luke 22. Let's go back to Luke 22. And we'll just break in at Luke 22 and verse 43. And we know before the crucifixion that there was a lot upon Jesus Christ. And he was in, in a lot of agony knowing what was about to happen in the crucifixion and how difficult it was going to be. But we get an idea here of the ministering angels and what they do. In Luke 22, verse 41, it says, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. That was some of his disciples there. And knowing and falling to his knees, he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It says, then, then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. So, brethren, that, that account is in there for us. 
there was an angel sent to help strengthen Christ and to encourage Christ and what he was about to do. And in the same way, you know, angels can be sent to us time to time, and maybe we're not aware of it, but as ministering spirits to give us strength and help when we need it in troubling and difficult times for us. But we know this is from God and from Christ. Let's see a couple of examples of, of their intervention. And we'll be back in the book of Daniel. If you'd like to go back to the book of Daniel for a couple of accounts. And I want to I want to go to Daniel six here. This first example in verse 21. So we know that there was a point there where Daniel was put into the lion's den. Right. And as we break into the account here in Daniel 621, we know Darius at this time um, came to check on him because Darius, he liked Daniel. And uh, he was kind of tricked into putting on the command that Daniel be put into the lion's den. But he liked Daniel. But he went to check on him. Darius did. In Daniel 6, and we'll read just 21 through 23, it says, And then uh, Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth. And they have not hurt me because before him innocency was found in me. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded they they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of injury was found on him because he trusted in God. And we'll read a couple more accounts of this, but you know, the angel was sent there in that case to shut the lion's mouths, but he trusted in God. Daniel did. And so that's key for the ministering angels to come to us and provide some of our needs and cares and protection, the trust. Similar event in Daniel 3, and this time we'll read Daniel 3 about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and this time uh, was with King Nebuchadnezzar, a different king. But in Daniel 3, verse, verse 28, we know they... They were protected in the fiery furnace. It says here in 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, who has sent his angel, right? And delivered his servants who trusted in him. And has sent and has said as nothing the king's words and has given back their bodies from the flame so that they might be not served nor worship any other God except their own God. So that that command from Nebuchadnezzar, which looked like certain death for um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did not come because God sent his angel and they were protected from that fire, right? To be able to go on and serve the Most High God. So, again, our the important part for us is, is the trust, the trust we should have in God and Christ. Psalm 34. Let's go back to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 in verse 7. It says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. The ministering angels, the holy angels, they encamp around us. They deliver us. And, you know, we, again, as I mentioned, we maybe just don't know how many times we have been delivered and protected and taken care of. Um, you know, we pray every day, I think all of us, that God watches over us and protects us and our families and the brethren. And he has his angels to, to do that for him. 
Psalm 91, while we're back, or while we're here in Psalms, let's just read in Psalm 91. And I know we refer to this a lot as a as a chapter to read to, to bring us comfort and a surety in what God does for us, in protecting us in times of needs and troubling times. But an important part, part here, again, is in Psalm 91, verse, verse 1 and 2, we'll read. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. So that's the important part is we need to get close to God. We need to draw close to God. We need to get under his protective wings and put ourselves there and put our total trust in him. And if we do this, we'll read 11 and 12. For he shall give his holy angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways, and they shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Right? So again, an, an example of the ministering spirits sent forth to minister unto us. Let's be turning back to Matthew, the 18th chapter. I want to bring out something here about the angels that maybe maybe you haven't considered before that's brought out here in Matthew 18. But they have a I'll use the words a direct connection with us and God at the same time. As God's our father, our loving father. And he leads us and guides us and directs us and corrects us and works in our lives in so many different ways. Along with Jesus Christ, our personal Savior, the holy angels of God have a direct connection with us. And they also look to God. But let's see this in Matthew 18, how profound this is. Matthew 18, verse 6, it says, but whoever shall cause one of these little ones ones God calls, God's children, who believe in me to offend, it would be better for him that a millstone be hung around his neck and be sunk into the depths of the sea. So very important, brethren, how we consider one another, how we treat one another, and offenses particularly. But let's go down to uh, verse uh, verse 10 here, it says, take heed that you do not despise. Now, despise is a mindset, right? A mindset or thoughts that are not correct towards people, towards others, towards, in this case, the little ones, God's people. For I tell you, that their angels in heaven continually look upon the face of my father who is in heaven. Well, how we consider each other is very important. You know, the angels always have our best interest in mind, don't they? <clears throat> and they witness us as brethren, how we treat each other, how we love one another. And they also sometimes witness things that shouldn't be happening, right? In our relationship with each other and also our relationship and obedience to God. Particularly here talking about offenses and being on guard that we don't despise or have the wrong thoughts about each other. Because they behold God's face continually. And they look to us and they're always looking for God's guidance and God's direction, right? As the holy angels. So something to consider here as the angels, again, the ministering spirits sent to minister unto us. They have that direct connection with us and with God. Let's go back to a few scriptures, a few chapters to Matthew 24. <clears throat> Gives you another idea here just how uh, engaged the, 
angels are going to be with us and, and how God will use them at the end of our resurrection. Matthew 24 in verse 30, it says, and when and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming upon the clouds of heaven with power and glory. Well, we read that when we started the message. You know, Christ is going to come back with, with glory, his glory, the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But verse 31, it says here, and he shall send his angels, right? With a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of earth to the other. Well, that's going to be an awesome day for us, for God's people. Um, you think about that, whether we're, we fall asleep before Christ returns and we're resurrected or, or we, we remain alive until we're changed. So, you know, one of those two things will occur. Uh, the angels will be sent to gather. And, uh, you know, we can we can think about that, what that may be like. But, uh, wow, what a what a tremendous day and an occurrence that's going to be when the, the angel were there with an angel or maybe a couple angels. I'm not sure, but they'll they'll uh, be with us as we go up to to meet Christ and to meet God in a different body. Right. With a with a totally complete different mind. So. Something to look forward to, something good to think about. Let's go back to Revelation, the 22nd chapter. I want to bring out another point here about the holy angels. <clears throat> Revelation 22. Revelation 22 see what John says. Verse 8, Now I, John, was the one who saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, the angel that was bringing the message, was telling John about things, and who was showing me these things. But he said to me, See that you do not do this, right? Don't, don't come don't do this. Don't bow down and worship me, for I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Right? But he plainly says here, worship God. So a point here is we do not worship angels. Now, we brought a message out here about the holy angels, right? And they are holy unto God. But we don't worship angels. We don't ever worship angels. We worship God continually in Jesus Christ. Now, we can always be thankful for the angels, right? And just pray to God, giving God thanks for his creation and what he's done for us and, and the creation of the angels for us and for him also. But we don't worship them. Now, on the other hand, Satan and his demons, they do desire to be worshipped. Right? They don't have this mind. That's why they're not the holy angels, but they're the falling angels that have rebelled. And whose countenance and minds have changed. But the holy angels we don't worship. Let's go back to Revelation 5. Revelation 5 and verse 11 says, And I saw and heard the voices of many angels, many angels, right? An innumerable amount of angels. And around, around the throne and the voices of the living creatures and the elders and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature that is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and those that are on the sea and all the things and in them. And I heard saying, 
to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and sovereignty into the ages of eternity. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives into the ages of eternity. You know, do you think the angels look forward to the return of Jesus Christ? Returning with Jesus Christ and the saints to the earth to establish the kingdom. To take over this this earth, this world and establish righteousness. Well, yeah, they certainly do. They look forward to that day, too. You know, the day Jesus Christ was resurrected. You know, they rejoiced that day as he returned and ascended back to heaven. And sat down at the right hand of God. They had the God of the Old Testament back again. You know, it must have been really difficult because, it, as we've talked about here, the loyalty, the faithfulness, the obedience that the angels had to, to the Lord God of the Old Testament that had created them. Because all things were created by Christ, through Christ, for him. So, you know, they had a special relationship as being created beings by God and Jesus Christ. And they knew what was going to happen. So, you know, they rejoiced when Jesus Christ was resurrected. And, you know, they'll rejoice again and they look forward to the return and the establishment of the kingdom. We know that. We know that. Let's go back to Romans, the eighth chapter, and get, get again a, an understanding of this. You know, the, the world creation was subjected to a lot because of rebellion, the rebellion of Satan and the demons. And also we know what men through Adam and Eve decided to do because of their disobedience to God and the penalties of that. But the earth and all creation was subjected to things because of that. And, you know, the at one point before the rebellion, I'm sure that all the angels that God had created had knew each other and had a relationship with one another. But again, we know through God's word, there was a point that Satan took away a third of them. And those relationships and all that God had planned, that changed from that point forward. And the angels were involved in that. And we know that. But let's see what Paul writes here in Romans 8, verse 19 through 23, and it directly talks about us. 19, it says, for the earnest expectation of creation itself is awaiting the manifestations of the sons of God. Brethren, the angels are waiting for the manifestation of us. Because the creation was subjected to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected it in hope. Because there is this hope that we all have through Christ. In order that the creation itself might be delivered from the bondage of corruption and to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that all the creation is groaning together and travailing together until now. And not only that, but even we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit also groan within ourselves, awaiting the sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And we certainly do, don't we? We look forward to that day when we're changed and we become like God in Christ and we're going to see the angels. We're going to see God and Christ face to face, and we're going to see the angels. And at that time, we're going to get to know a lot more about who they who they are and what they've done through time to minister unto the saints, being holy unto God. Let's turn to one final scripture, and we'll close. Let's go back to Philippians.
in Philippians 4. In Philippians 4. And I want to read down in verse 8 of Philippians 4. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So, brethren, we've covered a, a message today about God's holy angels. And, and you know, we don't know everything, but when we read God's word about the holy angels, these are good things to meditate on for us, aren't they? They're uplifting. And certainly the angels, the accounts of the angels give a lot there for us to, to look to as examples as well. So, brethren, this has uh, been a, a message about the holy angels. These are good things for us to study on, to think about to be thankful to God for that he's created these beings for himself, for Christ, for their glory, and also for us.